0: Hey everybody, welcome back to Industry Night. This is Nikki Nellis, your host. I'm in the gorgeous Line Hotel here in Adams Morgan and for those of you who know me, you know that I've been covering the DC food and wine scene for the last 17 years with the list are you on it.com It's an online e-zine and we cover every food and wine event happening in the DC Metro area. And I have been incredibly lucky because of that little website. I have another radio show called Foodie and the Beast. It's been on for over 11 years. And we have covered everything going on food, wine, food, politics, deep dives on spirits and distilleries, everything happening in the DC metro area course a little national and travel on luxury as well but even more recently two years ago i got the gig here so now i have industry night uh, i'm by myself my husband david is um i mean he's fine but he's not here with me uh so this one's all my own and i get to do a deep dive with people from all over the spectrum a little bit of restaurants a little bit of travel and a lot of bit of fun so uh if you follow me on social it's at n-y-c-c-i-n-e-l-l-i And of course, you can download this uh, podcast here at uh, fullserviceradio.org. Now, today I have two guests in studio. I'm very excited because this is a topic that is very close to my heart. It's travel. And we all love it and we all want to do it, but we don't always get to. Or we get stuck on the research we have to do in order to do it. And I think when people... Not I think. I know. When people talk about Washington, D.C., their head first goes to politics. They think we're a one-business town. And since I've been covering the D.C. food and wine scene for the last 17 years, I can tell you that nothing could be further from the truth. Yes, there is Capitol Hill and politics happening in DC, but it's really in a little tiny section of DC. And now the city has really blossomed around it. So in with me today to talk about the growth of the city and uh, how you can enjoy it is uh, Elliot Ferguson. He is the president. I feel like we should applaud. Yay, Elliot! Uh, President and CEO of Destination DC. So Destination DC is basically the tourism board of DC. And some of you out there may be saying, uh, yeah, what am I supposed to do with that? An awful lot. You are going to thank me after today's show. Also in with me is Meg McGarry. She's the Director of Marketing and Communications at the National Cherry Blossom Festival. Round of applause for Meg. We have a studio audience today. Uh, So now Meg has only been there for three months, so it's a real trial by fire for her this year with the Cherry Blossoms taking place starting on March 20th, 19th. The 20th? festival begins
1: on March 20th. March
0: 20th. Okay. Mm-hmm. So at the end of the show, well, not the end, but for we'll get to the end with Meg. She'll fill us in on everything you're going to need to do for the Cherry Blossom season this year and how you can get in on all the fun activations and see as much or participate as much as you wish. So Elliot, I'd love to start with you. Um, hi. Hi. Thank you so much for joining me today. Glad to be here. Um, so I'm sort of curious, how does one get to be the CEO and president of a tourism board for a major major city
2: you know that's a fun question because I am
0: full of fun questions Elliot the party has just begun we
2: will be ready okay good uh, you know this is an industry that so few people understand Uh, you know when you think about hospitality people normally think working in a restaurant or working in a hotel Mm -hmm. and nothing beyond that so it's so myopic You know, yeah, it's true. So thirty years ago, way, way back in the uh, Mm eighties, finished college. My
0: hair was like this high.
2: I kind of, I saw that on your website. (laughs) It looked good. It looked looked good. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, it was one of those things where, uh, the guy that ran the convention and visitors bureau was living in uh, Savannah, Georgia, Mm -hmm. of all places, and he's like, "Hey, I'd love for you to uh, come work for me. Uh, You know, this is an industry that I think you'd love." And I'm like, "I don't want to do bus tours." And are you kidding? I finished college and. That's not what I want to do. And uh, like so many people, I had no knowledge of a convention and visitor bureau or the whole process uh, tied to um, you know attracting people to a destination. You know, be it visitors or conventioners or business travelers. So I kind of stumbled into it, like so many of my peers, so many of the folks that run convention bureaus. And again, that was 30 years ago, and it really hit my sweet spot because it really tied into a lot of the things that I wanted to do as a kid, um, namely travel, global travel, um, Mm -hmm. that I had no idea that there was an opportunity through this particular industry to to, to get this actively involved.
0: Well, so what did that mean for you? Like when you started... You didn't start as CEO and president, so how in did my you... my mind. Yes, well, no. <laughs> you strike me as... We are, we are of the same elk. Yes. Uh, so how did, where did you start, and how did you learn? And let's talk about the drastic change in tourism boards. Sure, sure. In the last 30 years.
2: Yeah, so uh, first job, 24 years old, mm-hmm. director of sales for the Convention and Visitors Bureau. Uh, a industry that I know very little about or knew very little about. And that's
0: here in D.C.? That
2: was in Savannah.
0: Oh, that's in Savannah. That's but, what I thought. I wasn't sure where
2: But it went. before that, I was working for the Economic Development Authority that focused on bringing industry to Savannah. Savannah's okay. a big port town, so as you can imagine, a lot of international, you know, trucking companies, manufacturing, et cetera, et cetera. So... I still do economic development, but of course it's tied to people coming for three to five days versus people relocating to a destination and economic development uh, through that. Putting business in. Exactly. Mm -hmm. So that was the very first job. Director of sales, without the experience, which meant, you know, I'd get up. It's a
0: fancy schmancy title. It was,
2: but fortunately a city that was up and coming, but not necessarily where it wasn't a big city, so it was an opportunity for me to really get involved, to learn more about uh, the city through a different lens, uh, and to to acclimate myself to all the aspects of promoting and, and selling a destination. And it helped dispel a lot of the perceptions that people just automatically show up. You know, in a perfect world, that would be what would happen in a destination. But it's actually a process tied to getting individuals interested in your destination. So my first job uh, was there for two years in Savannah. Uh, and before you knew it, uh, there was an opportunity um, uh, with the Atlanta Convention Bureau. In each city, the convention bureaus are private organizations, uniquely different. Uh, and so I was like, well, you know, I did not plan on staying in Savannah. Did a, it was a great opportunity. I'm going opportunity. to interrupt for a second. Sure.
0: They're privately funded.
2: Well, they're private organizations. Uh, and they're sa- not city funded? Uh, they, in, in a lot of cases, you uh, we are funded through a portion of the hotel tax, okay. as it was in Savannah. Mm-hmm. Uh, so therefore, visitors coming to a destination, if anyone checks into the line hotel, of the 14.95% tax they pay, we get 0.97%. Uh, so less than 1% goes towards funding us. But the mm-hmm. remainder of our funding comes from... For membership dues and other avenues in which we focus on to bring in additional revenue so that we can promote our destination.
0: So, when you got to DC. Yep.
2: So, 10 years in Atlanta, Mm -hmm. uh, in sales, convention sales, left as vice president. 9 11 hit. uh, Good times. uh, And uh, tough times, but Mm -hmm. time of reflection. And for me, a time to think about wow, I never thought I'd stay in Georgia that long. And so now it's time for a move. And lo and behold, the very next week, um, this opportunity—the opportunity to um, sell the nation's capital—came uh, up, and, and before you knew it, within a uh, week and a half, I had made the decision, and I moved here in December two thousand one. Not as president, but right. as senior VP.
0: So, when you came into DC, what did you, what did you think about the city when you came here? Uh,
2: in this industry, you you tend to come to DC a lot, simply because you're either focusing on conventions or focusing on the leisure market or tourism, mm-hmm. and if you're focusing on conventions, most of the associations in the U.S. are headquartered in the greater Washington area, so True. I was here a lot, so I'm originally from the West Coast, Nikki, and I said, you know, if I stay on the West Co- East Coast, D.C. is one of the cities that I'd love to move to. It was, it was uh, uh, close enough to other major market, it was international, it's easy to get around, it's just a really cool city that, mm-hmm. that really had a, that was misunderstood f- by so many For so many different reasons. Yeah, but
0: when you came here in the early 2000s, Mm -hmm. it was still climbing out of a really negative sort of connotation, like a negative thought. Like people who came to D.C. were like, there's four neighborhoods to go to. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? That yeah. At one point, it was considered the Myrtle Capital, and that stayed on top of D.C. way longer than it was even remotely
1: true.
2: Super long time.
0: And um, yeah, because I mean, in a previous life, I worked for one of those associations, and we did conferences around the world. Uh, but one time we did one here, and I had women state legislators tell me that they were that their hotel told them not to go to Georgetown. Oh yeah, because it was dangerous. And yep. I was like. um... I live in Georgetown. It's not dangerous. Like, I was, I did not know that kind of perception right, that right. was out there. So, and that's sort of late 90s, early 2000s. So, how did you coming in, how do you sort of flip it? How do you sort of let people know that this is an incredibly international city? Um, and I, that is actually, it was after 9-11. Right. A little more, uh post the recession when Obama got into office that there was this massive, massive investment of money in areas all around the city which brought us to where we are today.
2: Yeah, to a large extent. Uh, To your point, um, perception was negative, murder Mm -hmm. capital, uh, infrastructure was not great, safety was a concern, but then then you also layer in 911. You know, is Washington safe from a global perspective? And then mm-hmm. you layer in anthrax and sniper. <laughs> since you're, oh my god, Since you're throwing it all out, oh my I mean, god, right? I you totally know, was, forgot. You know, let's not forget that there were a lot of things. I mean, when I there was when, a lot of things. Yeah, when I when I told my family I was moving, they were like, uh, "Are you crazy?" Right. And, uh But I, you know, I'm like, "Hey, DC is probably the safest place to be right now." Mm-hmm. So I, I think the goal was when when I looked at what was happening in Washington, we were already building a new convention center. Mm-hmm. Um, there was already a significant amount of interest in investing in Washington as a destination. It was slowed down by uh, 9-11, then it was slowed down again at 2008-2009, as we mm-hmm. all know there was an economic downturn, uh, and that lasted for almost you know, seven plus years uh, in terms of the baseball stadium, stadium being built, but then everything else stopped. And then you fast forward to where we are today, the last five plus years, Mm -hmm. and now you're seeing the evolution of our destination, evolution of communities that have existed for a long time, the creation of new communities. Uh, like Navy Yard, which existed, but the yards did not. What's happening around uh, the building of the new uh, Audi Field, the wharf? Bloomingdale. IDC.
0: I mean, we can, you and I, Latroyd, like, there are neighborhoods that were there. Right. But there weren't neighborhoods as destination DC. Right. You would tell.
2: Yeah, they had no, no reason for visitors there, to go. To go to. You and you and live now.
0: There. Right. Yeah. And now we're in a, a totally different environment. Correct. You know, when people call me and ask me, um, I'm coming to D.C. for the weekend and I'm I love to show off the city. You know, I'm I always consider myself a megaphone for what's happening in this city. Right. And I love to show it off. And it's just amazing to me. Like where I'm sending people now, right. I'm like you need to do this, you need to do that. And that doesn't I mean, restaurants aside, that doesn't even include all the art and um, exhibitions that are going on. I know we're a museum and monument town, but there's so much more than that. Yes. That is happening too. Yes. So let's talk about the last five years. All
2: right, let's do that. All okay,
0: right. so tell me can you sort of how involved are you with the explosion of the new neighborhoods? Do you are you more of a megaphone or are you when you're telling people you need to come here, are you meeting people who are like, Yeah, should I Put a restaurant there? Are people communicating to you in that way?
2: Yeah, through through our membership, you know, everyone that anyone that's looking at uh, doing or investing in Washington D.C. more than likely they're meeting with the hotel association, restaurant association. They're meeting with us because they want to know what the climate is for our future conventions in the city. Oh. They want to know what the climate looks like for visitation, domestic and international. They want to know um, how well we're doing with international visitation because the international visitor stays longer and spends more. So, and, and, you know, so we are talking to those who are looking at investing in specific areas in Washington, D.C. Um, clearly, our whole mantra, you know, I, I love monuments, memorials, and museums, but there's a domestic perception of Washington and there's a global perception. And the global perception is not necessarily what I call the 495 effect, whereas we just think we're the hottest thing since sliced bread. The global community every single day, they're looking at people dressed in suits talking politics, whether you like the politics or not, uh, and it resonates as a place that you you well, want to check ca- it off. Excuse me,
0: they call it the swamp.
2: Well, then, which is that. really
0: offensive yeah, to people yeah. who live here. Yeah, I mean, I find it incredibly
2: offensive. It, it is, but I'm, I think that you know we we always look at every op- We look at every opportunity to perhaps change the perception of Washington as a destination. Mm -hmm. So it it starts with, you know, we have representation in four different countries around the the world. uh, And then we work with another organization that also has representation, Capital Region USA. Um, We look at how Washington is perceived. If it's a convention, if it's a mostly female-based convention, if it's domestic, we look at the fact that they're going to be concerned about coming to, about safety, Mm -hmm. be it you know, if they're over 55-plus years old, is D.C. still the murder capital of the world? Or they're coming from parts of the U.S. where it's— 65.
0: Let's say 65, uh, not 55. You know,
2: well, because they remember. <laughs> Come on! So it's not that they were living it, but they heard it. So mm-hmm. their, their perception is, I'm from Nebraska. You know, they could be going to any major destination, and sure. they're going to be concerned about safety. Mm-hmm. But they're going to remember that, and we have, to, we have to put it in a perspective, whereas they use common sense— don't walk down the street with your purse open because you're in an urban environment. you're in a city, right. But D.C. is safe. You know, you you have to educate people that are not accustomed to being in an urban environment. The international community, they perceive us as, well, when they think there's just one museum. And the word museum, as glamorous as we know our museums and interactive and cool as they are, you know, they look at museums and they think art galleries and sculpture galleries. And I always remind people, it's like when I'm in Italy... If I see a Madonna and Child, if it's painted by Picasso, I'm enamored by it. But by the 10th one, I don't care if it's painted by a fourth grader. I'm, I've got sensory overload. So if that's their perception, we... And
0: I would say to you, tough you luck. We're, we're still going through the Uffizi, so come on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're but, on the long march. You're on you, the long march.
2: I would, you, I would say to you, do you want them to come or not? And so, therefore, <laughs> we've got to make sure that we focus on ways to get them to understand how diverse we are. So our whole Discover D.C., DC Cool campaign is tied to, yes, recognizing the monuments, memorials, museums, the 16 free Smithsonian, uh, Smithsonians, including the zoo, and of course uh, the, uh, the National Gallery of Art, uh, the Holocaust Museum, all those great things, mm-hmm. but also, to your point, neighborhoods, nightlife, theater, uh, outdoor um, experiences, dining, uh, festivals that come to the city, mm-hmm. uh, sporting events. These are the things that resonate and make people want to come to Washington. If they're coming on business, perhaps they'll bring their spouse because they can go shopping in Washington, D.C. Mm-hmm. Or they can come to the Adams Morgan area, whereas they remember coming as a kid when they were young and drinking until three o'clock in the morning. But now they have the cool line hotel or they have all these other new experiences in which we want to expose them to that they can see and do and experience when they're in Washington.
0: So so there's multiple markets here that you're trying to hit. Yep. So let's talk first Uh, about, I feel like we discussed business, like I I understand you're trying to get people at the convention center, so there is a way to market what's happening in the city and why the convention center is right for them, but let's talk about tourists in general just people, whether they're coming from international destinations or they're coming from Nebraska Um, how do you go about sharing what's going on in D.C.? with these markets? And how do you educate beyond what they think they know, you know, beyond air and space?
2: Yeah, absolutely. I think the the most important mechanism we use is our website, Washington.org. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the, the other thing that we play a huge role in is bringing, would be bringing journalists to Washington that leave and write amazing stories about everything that's happening, be it you know, Cherry Blossom Festival, Passport DC, Jazz Festival, sporting event, all those great things. Mm-hmm. Bringing those folks in and telling our story is extremely compelling. I think there's a, you know, there's a perception, of, look, right now, we're supposed to be in China, but as you can imagine, for obvious reasons, we're, we're not. not. Going. We're going later, uh, but we'll still go because that's our number one market. When we're there, you know, you have to also recognize the fact that when, you, when you're promoting the United States, you're not promoting just the one hot city within that country. When you're going to the UK, what city do you know you're going to for a fact? Or if you're going to Great Britain, we're you're going, going to London. To London. If right. you're going to Manchester, you're going maybe for a sporting event or maybe or something like that. But you're going. Right, to Right, but London. if you're
0: coming to the United States, you could be going to you, lots of places. You could be going to New York. You could be, you going, you be going, going to DC, Boston, Philly, you LA, have a San Fran. A lot I of like options. The coast more than the middle.
2: <laughs> and we're the eighth most visited city by the international community. Which the shocker here is that how could we be number eight? I'm like, well, where do you want to go? when you want to leave Washington. And that's one through seven. And then below us is Boston and and Philadelphia and all Mm -hmm. these other great destinations. So we have a lot of great cities in the U.S. that individuals can choose from. Our goal is to understand the dynamics. One size doesn't fit all. The Chinese traveler is totally different from the traveler from from Australia, New Zealand. Mm -hmm. We know that the traveler from that region is traveling for 21 days. They're not going to just one city. They're going to want to definitely go to new york city but then you know the question is do they go to boston then they get on a flight and go somewhere south or are they going to want to come to washington are they being sold on dc as a day trip or as they are they being sold by i can't
0: even imagine doing dc as a day nobody
2: trip. can but if you're not here and if you're right, you if you're trying know. to diversify your visit and and we're relying heavily on tour and travel receptive operators the rest of the world still does what we did our parents did 30 plus years ago they rely on travel agents and their travel agent will guide them through the process of where they want to stay what they want to do so our goal is to work closely with those agents which is why we have offices in those countries why we're always there you know getting off a plane and immediately two and a half hours later this really happened flying to Australia and being on the TV show in Australia, the Good Morning Australia, talking about Washington, D.C. Right. So you can give them a different perception than what they see, which right now is whatever way you want to code it, it's news and it's not necessarily very glamorous. Um, and so therefore we're trying to get now, them to I look mean, at us differently.
0: I, I totally hear you. You're right. It's not glamorous. And even though, um, you know, the New York Times picked us this year as the- You know, the number one travel destination. Bon Appetit picked us, what was it, two years ago as the number one dining city in the country. Sorry? 2017. 2017. Sorry. Thank you for the correction. Um, You know, there's all this information out there of why to come to D.C., but it's not on the regular, right? I mean, you have to Google it. You're not seeing... Especially if you turn on the news, no matter where you are, I'm assuming, most places, internationally, you're really only seeing one thing. And it looks like it's a blue or navy blue suit and, you know.
2: Right. It's it's all tied to politics.
0: Yes. It is. And I guess that's true. I never really consider that. Yeah. And it's a very valid point. There's just so much, for me, what I find so what the struggle I have with that is that that's not my world. Correct. And I live in this city. So I'm like, it's such a... So minuscule. I know at one point in time, I know like in the 60s and 70s, it was a one-business town. Right. But you have so much technology going on here now. And with the burst in the suburbs and then the regrowth in the city, the the culture and um, hospitality that's available in this city is, is just as good as anything in any other city.
2: I agree. Uh, it's just hard to...
0: Get that message out,
2: right? And you. And the other thing is, like, you know, I was in the Wilson Building today, which, of course, is our City Hall, talking about all things tied to economic development, mm-hmm. tourism, and what have you. And you know, why aren't we number one? I'm like, well, one, uh, on any given year, we have 25 million visitors. New York has 60 million. We don't have the infrastructure. We're not large. I was going to say,
0: first of all, we don't want
2: 60 million visitors. We
0: can't. We don't even have the hotel rooms. We
2: don't. We don't. But we want the growth. Mm-hmm. We want. But we want the growth tied to. You know, at the end of the day, who's staying longer, who's spending more? I love the eighth graders. I I love the fact that they come during the springtime. But, you know, they're eating at Chipotle and they're staying in Gaithersburg and the economic impact on their first visit isn't that big. Maybe Mm -hmm. when they're 15 years later, they're going to come back, they're going to remember, they're going to spend more money. Mm -hmm. So there's a long-term investment there. But as we're looking at markets, um, you know, right now, the number one market for Washington is China from the international perspective. Well, guess who's not traveling right now. So the question is what Which we...
0: honestly at the moment is probably a good thing, right? Well, of course. Like, I, mean...
2: I mean, the reality is is that um, we we want we want to make sure that travel remains safe. We don't of want chaos. Um, you know, I think that um, – and that is a concern. I mean, the same – I mean, it's
0: in everybody's best interest.
2: It's in everyone's best interest, but it's also – you know, it's one of those opportunities where we can stop and pause and recognize the importance of cleanliness because the flu right now still kills more people in America than anything else. Right. So I digress. We're not going to get in on that.
0: Actually, but I, I, you are digressing, but uh-oh. since we're here – Since we're here. And you brought it up. Uh-oh. Um, and we have five minutes until our commercial break. Okay. So – how does something like this, the coronavirus, ill affect our tourism?
2: Well, I mean, the the um, you know we're unfortunately this is not our first time here. There's neurovirus, coronavirus, right. there's SARS. There are things that have happened not just in D.C. but around the country that have affected the, the leisure market from traveling. We know for a fact that if you cannot fly out of a destination, you're not coming. Right. So we know that's happening. We we see it happening in Milan with um, fashion week,
0: mm-hmm. the number
2: one buyers. You know they, right, spend, they can't get out. they outspend us outspend the rest of the world four to one and guess who's not going to Milan? Right. So we are it's right now it's not an issue but you know if this continues during the the, um, the warm as the months get warmer, uh-huh. uh, then it becomes more of an issue because that's the peak season for cherry blossom festival and beyond right. as well as meetings. You know we know that um, that we have a convention coming up very soon in the city six thousand attendees seven of seven hundred of them are from China. Mm. They're not going to be able to travel. So the reality is you can't change what you can't change. Right. But what you can do is focus on other markets, but you also have to recognize the fact that those other markets won't have the same return on investment simply because the spend of a Chinese visitor. Sure. Um, That's a reality that I cannot control until you know we have an opportunity to book something out uh, bring other markets in
0: well so your who are your members you mentioned your members who yes. are the members uh,
2: we have a 1000 members that are mostly tied to the hospitality industry so mm-hmm. because we focus on conventions and we focus on the leisure market so it could be anything from a uh, clearly about 99% of the hotels in Washington DC but restaurants transportation providers florists anyone and everyone that can benefit from our efforts to bring conventions and the leisure market to the city are going to want to play a role they're going Want to have a face, a place on Washington.org. Uh, they're going to want to have an opportunity to travel with us to talk about their products when we're promoting DC.
0: And do you bring travel agents in on that too, or no? Do you travel agents
2: are usually the customer? Okay, um, they're so, the customer. Yeah, they're usually the customer. Okay, um, and uh, but uh, and associations are our customers. So the meeting mm-hmm. planners, as you worked for an association, right. whoever's planning the meeting. Um, every once in a while, an association will want to become a member, but I'm going to ask them why. What's the benefit for you? I want to make sure it's a good return on investment for them.
0: Well, that's smart of you. No, you know. So, all right, why don't we take a quick commercial break? Sure. And when we come back, let's talk about uh, now that we're here and all these restaurants are open and mm-hmm. we do have an amazing cultural scene, what's happening around the city and how not just tourists can come, And use the website, but how locals can, too. Absolutely. Okay, this is Nikki Nellis. We're live. Cherry blossom season is coming. Are you ready? We'll be back in just a sec. Hey, everybody, it's Nikki Nellis. We're back on Industry Night, and I am talking with Elliot Ferguson. He is the president and CEO of Destination DC. And if you are staying here at the Lion Hotel and tuning in, then you are a tourist here in our lovely city. And if you haven't been to Washington.org, then you are really missing out on a whole host of information that can really elevate your trip here to D.C. Uh, obviously, you can go to TripAdvisor, you can go to Yelp, I don't know, you can use all those sites. There's lots of information there, but honestly, uh, restaurants, hotels, art galleries, the museums, everybody sends their information directly to Washington uh, Washington.org, and you can really figure out what you want to do and what you want to see by using that website. I use it myself. It's a fabulous tool. Uh, So please check it out. Elliot, um, I just want to go back for a second um, because you are, you you were telling me you are off air the president of the tourism?
2: No, actually I chair the U.S. Travel Association. Chair, sorry, thank you. I should have
0: written that down. It's okay. Um, And so what does that mean?
2: Well, uh, the U.S. Travel Association focuses on all things tied to Mainly the international traveler being able to come into the U.S. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, visa issues, uh, uh, working with airlines to to especially the international airlines to get more nonstop flights, um, making sure that the international visitor sees coming to the U.S. as an easy and safe process, um, as well as the infrastructure. We recognize the fact that airports in the U.S. compared to international airports, we've fallen back. We've fallen behind significantly. So we advocate for things that make travel to the U.S. much easier. I'd like to one day be able to get on the train and go from the East Coast to the West Coast, something that you can do in other parts of other the world. Other countries, right. Yeah, That's so, very true. Yeah.
0: So um, given uh, that your status in that, what is your all take on the virus and how do you help people prepare? Is there sort of a message from you all about to the tourists, like what people need to do to be safe? Or is there something that you're saying to the hotels or to the hospitality industry? Like, what's your overriding message?
2: Yeah, the U.S. Travel Association is focusing on the negative, the potential negative impact to visitation to the U.S. because of the virus. Okay. Uh, They are relying on other associations and authorities to focus on safety and health related measures. Got it. Um, But, you know, within our organization, like so many others, we, we focus on some of the standard uh, practices that um, that we know um, where, where how viruses are passed on. So mm-hmm. they do focus on that to a, a certain extent, but we're really looking at and measuring um, if this has a negative impact on visitation, how long could it be, what could be the potential economic impact, and when will we rebound? Because that's what the, vi- that's what the membership of the USTA are expecting.
0: Sure, I bet. Yeah. I'm sure it's a big concern for very big concern. everybody at the moment. Yeah. Well, so... In lieu of that, you are still working on all these promotions in and around the city, and you have lots of ways for both tourists and locals alike to engage in the city. What are some of the things that you guys are putting together for people or that you want to pinpoint?
2: Yeah, I think the key thing, and you know, the, the one thing that, I, that resonates when we're talking about our goal is that it's usually focused on people fi- coming physically from out of Washington, checking into a hotel like the Line Hotel mm-hmm. then eating because you know if you're checking into a hotel you're going to eat at least twice or three times a day if you're coming for business you're going to eat three times and you're or
0: going if to. you have met me or
2: if you met me yeah, yeah you I know. eat I like five me. or seven times hey, a day but
0: that's okay I there like two dinners it's so very important
2: so all that is is measured in research but at the same time we recognize the fact that we want to serve the community in which that we live mm-hmm. we currently have a campaign called Stay Local DC that is tied to the local um, person that might might live 25, 30 miles out of Washington, D.C., coming into the city, checking into a hotel because this is a great time to get a a decent rate on a hotel. And if you were here last weekend, you had amazing weather and enjoying some of the unique things that uh, visitors, you know, kind of staycation, as you referenced early, play visitor in your own backyard. Mm -hmm. The most flattering thing that I hear is something you said earlier, is that people, the locals use Washington.org when they have friends coming in town or if they're trying to plan their evening you know, when I moved to the city before all of this, this cool, um, the, the, you know, having, having the website and everything else, it was the Washington Post, a Friday section, which I'd keep for the whole week and circle things that I wanted to do uh, because people just but assume see, that I'm going to know.
0: now you have the list, and you go to clearly, that to clearly. find out as well, but no. No
2: doubt. But, mm-hmm. uh, you know, but I think that that, and that's what we love to hear from a local perspective, you know, when you're, Entertaining guests that are coming in town, mm-hmm. uh, because our restaurants are counting on us um, to get locals to come out to get out and, and hang out and eat in their restaurants as well. Mm-hmm. There's nothing more flattering than someone who's never been to Ivy City to go to Ivy City for a great meal or, or oh my god, or a distillery. I, or,
0: I'm all about the distillery exactly. crawl, like. Um, I don't know if you're familiar with well you must be with the Whiskey Rebellion Tour of course I am so um, I got invited on a fam trip for that and um, it was phenomenal and they took us all through Pittsburgh we hit all the distilleries down to Mount Vernon and then I wound up being the tour guide (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> because nobody was from D.C., so even though they had a path to follow right. for Ivy City, I was really able to educate people on Ivy City because right. it's a fabulous story. It is
2: an amazing story. And this is the 100th happened. anniversary of Prohibition, you know, right. so we're tying that into we, – we actually worked with those other cities uh, to be a part of the trail to talk about the um, the spirits – um, the, the history of spirits in washington d c and of course, mm-hmm. where you can go now to enjoy them so and it 's really a cool way um, to you know to drink your way through a nice tour uh, and of course enjoy neighborhoods in Washington that perhaps people that were not on folks radar before so
0: but don 't you think that part, like a distillery tour or a brewery tour there's, there are things to do now in d c that ten years ago you couldn 't you know, you would have to go out to Virginia to go to a couple wineries. You know, yeah. now you can go to, you can go to two places in D.C. that are urban wineries.
2: Maybe Yard or Ivy City. Right, exactly.
0: Mm-hmm. So there's all these ways to, I mean, unfortunately, they're all drinking. But there are other ways to enjoy the city, I swear. Right. Um, but there are all these days, like a day trip. There's all these ways to uh do something interesting that is more than just sitting and watching a play or looking at a piece of art like you said earlier
2: right i think the key thing is to recognize that the experience that a person can have in dc is more diverse than they anticipate that it would be Mm -hmm. and the value added because there's so many free things to do you know kennedy center 365 days a year something free cherry blossom festival there are a lot of free events and activities tied to that uh so if you're Let's say you're doing museums and monuments and things through the daytime. You know, you're coming to a city like Washington, D.C., and not having to spend the amount of money that you'd have to spend in so many other cities gives you the wherewithal to perhaps step up your game in terms of where you stay or how many places you go out eating or where you go shopping because you have a, you know, there's a value added tied to being in a city like Washington which we promote on a regular basis Mm -hmm. the other thing is is that you know we're a huge sports town and uh, if if we just talk the talk before now we can talk it and walk it because we're now you know we've we have the trifecta as as we've won you know hockey and women's basketball Mm -hmm. and baseball so we're able to promote DC as a amazing sports destination so the diversity of your visit could be well, I don't want to go to a play. You go to the Bas- to, to, to watch the Wizards, and we'll go to a play uh, on 14th Street or on, on H Street at the Atlas Theater. Mm-hmm. And those are the experiences, you know, just going on H Street Northeast today versus five to ten years ago, which, again, did not resonate with locals or visitors as a place to go is what I enjoy about the, you know, the reimagining and the changes that Washington continues to, to offer to visitors and to locals alike.
0: Well, I think what's interesting, H street is a great example. So is Ivy city. Mm -hmm. Um, A lot of these other neighborhoods is that they are rich with history. Yes. So it's not just, Oh, go there. There's a great restaurant. What I love about it is being like, this was not here. (laughs) Do you know, like look at the city center, right? Like it was the old convention center. It was a, parking lot for god i mean too there was long. a parking lot in the middle of a major city for too long. for like six or seven years the right
2: the, the 2008 thing i talked about yes. was nobody was getting financing so it remained a parking lot for but way isn't, too long i
0: mean that just always blows my mind and yeah. we were just Used to it, we're like, Yeah, there's no,
2: a you were, I, uh, hated but,
0: it. I know, but you understand what I mean. Like, I hear we you. would drive by, yeah. and you were like, Yeah, there's just there's an empty light. lot in yeah. the middle of the city. Well, you know, um, I was
2: at the Ronald Reagan building uh, over the weekend for an event, and there were people that were reminding individuals that that was a parking lot for a long time oh, in the yeah. city. So, and that's
0: that whole area that stretched down Mass Ave, it was yeah. like dilapidated townhomes. Like, do you remember? It was. It a was, mess.
2: Yeah, it was not very appealing, and it tied to what you referenced earlier: is that visitors coming to the city referenced Georgetown as the place to eat and shop, mm-hmm. and maybe downtown if they're attending a convention, maybe U Street and Adams Morgan, but that was it. That was it. Uh, and maybe um, Dupont. Yeah, Dupont for sure. Mm-hmm. But uh, but now that has blossomed into. You know, the diversity of neighborhoods, you know, there was a question about, you know, where is the LGBTQ community? Once upon a time, it was DuPont Circle. Now, now it's now everywhere. It's, now it's all of Washington, which is how it should be. Yes. And uh, and we're excited about the fact that, you know, across the river in Anacostia, a neighborhood that's so overlooked. Buzzard's Point. Overlooked, Buzzard's Point, which is still, that which I'm hoping will... We'll get them to change the name, but uh, that's where the new Audi field is. I was just talking is. with
0: somebody about that.
2: Yeah. It's something unsexy about selling something called Buzzard's Point. But it will be a really cool destination similar to what happened when the baseball stadium opened. Right. So. I mean,
0: it is a, you know, when the baseball stadium opened, we mm-hmm. were there on a game, opening day, right. my husband and I. And um, I remember looking around and being like, I don't know. I don't know what it's going to take to, like, bring people here other than... Uh, you know game day but of course nobody shared with me what the grand plan was I feel like all this information should be shared with me on a regular basis but (laughs) um, and I I, a restaurateur who was coming to town had called me Mm -hmm. and said um, I'm not going to tell you which one but said this is where we're going to go I was like I don't know dude I was like I, I could see it, but, like, I, you're going to have to be in it to win it because it's going to take some time. Yeah. And it wound up being the perfect move because now, you know, what's around the uh, stadium is beautiful, a beautiful way to live gorgeous walkways you right. know in like that highline kind of style I mean I think what I find really interesting especially if we go back to like when you started in the 80s is that there's now more people thinking about the aesthetic right. right so where it used to be just put buildings down and open restaurants it was all about making the money which I'm all for don't get me wrong but now there's something more it's like we want it to be pretty and we want it to be an experience because it's not a one-off Right? you want people to feel like this is really great I want to come back. I want to see this again, or I want to go do something else. And I really appreciate the investment in that.
2: Yes, yes. And that investment would have happened. But again, it all tied to when 2008 hit and, and no one was getting financing. So the Mm -hmm. baseball stadium was built but nothing else was happening. And so it was almost like we hit pause again. Mm -hmm. You know, 9-11 was a a 10 year, it took us 10 years to rebound in terms of visitation to Washington after Mm -hmm. 9-11. And it took us, you know, almost the same amount of time to rebound after the economic downturn, which started with city center and the country of Qatar finally uh, investing. And then you started seeing everything else. And now if you're, on any rooftop, which, by the way, that's another thing Oh, we my sell. God, I was just going to say, sell, are you we, kidding? We sec- sell the heck out of the fact that we've got all these cool rooftops around the city that didn't exist before. There but was if, you go one- to the line, if you go to the line and go up to the top and just look around, there's probably about 40 or 50 cranes in the city.
0: Oh, without a doubt. Yeah. No, I mean, there was one rooftop. Which one was that? It was the top. What's what did the W used to be? Oh yeah, uh, Washington, Washington hotel. hotel. I mean, it was like yeah. this flea bag, divey hotel. Yeah. but it was the only rooftop yeah. in the city. And now there's like how many? There's got to be like twenty, twenty five. Oh, there's probably more than that, right? Yeah. But every, I mean, like every
2: new hotel, every has new a hotel hot rooftop, exactly. experience. And yeah, and that's and now there's a DJ experience with all of those. And so you know, we're selling to communities like New York that have these great expectations. They either Think that everything, nothing is going to be as good as New York. They're super
0: snobby. I I mean, I'm from the area. No, no, no. I could say it. Let's just say they have high
2: expectations, and now they can come to a city like Washington, and they'll still say it's nothing like New York. And I get it, but but, it
0: isn't. We don't have to be New York.
2: We're not trying to be, and that's that's (coughs) the reality. You know, we. I think that when when people ask, "Do we compete against New York?" the answer is no. Because if we're talking to the international visitor, about the international visitor, we want them to come to both destinations. Because mm-hmm. we're close enough. It's easy to get from one to the other.
0: Super train wide. You know,
2: the question is whether they stop in Philly and Baltimore in between.
0: That's their problem. That is
2: up to them. But uh, <laughs> but we want them to, we want them to do this a day Philly trip is to those on cities. This Philly. It's coming on on another show. Yeah, we want them to do a day trip to those cities. No disrespect if you're from either of them. But mm-hmm. then we want them to stay in Washington for a few days. Excellent. Yeah. All right.
0: Well, so cherry blossom season is coming. Oh, yeah. It's a... Huge rollout every year, and we have um, Meg McGarry in with us from the uh, National Cherry Blossom Festival. Meg, thank you so much for joining us. Tell us a little bit of a history of the Cherry Blossom Festival. If you live here, you know it comes every year, but maybe you don't know... About it, you don't know where
1: it started or how it began. Sure. Well, thank you for having me. Um, mm-hmm. It's been really educational listening to Elliot to talk more uh, about DC. I'm learning a lot of things just sitting here. Um, the cherry blossom festival, the tradition of it, of course, honors the gift of cherry trees from mm-hmm. uh, Japan, and we're celebrating that for the 108th anniversary this year. Mm. So, um, you know that that tradition of friendship is um, the basis of the celebration. And as you said, I think a lot of people who live here in DC, you know that it comes every year. Um, you, You know, the weather, people are always talking about it. It's all over the news. You see the cherry blossom decals everywhere um but um you know i i always meet a lot of people who actually have not been down to the tidal basin to see the cherry trees or you know haven't that been That is in an years, absolute crime. which is crazy yes. right Yes, um so i think um you know i think it's great that we can you know come together and celebrate you know the gift of friendship and the blooming of the trees and kind of this you know beautiful like transformation and renewal of spring that mm-hmm. happens um and that's great for residents and for tourists um, um, but you know, the festival itself, um, as a nonprofit organization, the National Cherry Blossom Festival is a is a nonprofit organization here in DC. It's been in existence for 20 years. This is our 20th anniversary mm-hmm. as as a business, as an organization, and um, you know, one of the things that that is our goal and our focus is to really expand the events and the celebrations to other parts of the city outside of the basin so that it's really extending because beyond there are the trees. cherry blossoms in other places are not just around the basin. True. There are cherry blossoms all over the city actually, mm-hmm. but yeah, there, there are large groupings in, in multiple different places, you know, um, that you can see. And then, you know, through our events and activities and different partnerships with, you know, people across the city, um, we offer upwards of, you know, we either offer or partner with um, people to offer well over 50 or 60 um, free activities and events for people to enjoy.
0: Well, so what does that look like? So for for the local or the tourist... What does enjoying the Cherry Blossom Festival in D.C. look like? Like, what are the activations? What are things that people can do?
1: Uh, there are so many things to do. I think it really depends on what you like to do. You mm-hmm. know, every year there are huge family favorites that um, we welcome back. I think that everyone looks forward to, like the parade that happens sure. down Connecticut Avenue. When is the
0: parade this year? The
1: parade this year is on April fourth. Okay. Um, and
0: where is it for the uninitiated?
1: Well, it kicks off right in front of the archives, okay. and then proceeds down Connecticut Avenue for um, I don't even know how many blocks, to be okay. honest with you, twelve or fourteen. It's a long parade, um, and actually that um it is a it's a nationally televised parade mm-hmm. which is exciting for us um the televised section is right there in front of the archives those seats are already sold out that's wow. a huge you know huge uh, drive so those sell out every year mm-hmm. um and then there's another um grandstand area at the end of the parade where there's another performance but in between that section, there are all sorts of, you know, there's tons of space where families can come and just, you know, park on the curb and watch for free. Right.
0: Okay, so we got the
1: parade. Mm-hmm. And then what else? Oh, uh, Some of the other big events. Um, well, the
0: big kickoff is the pink tie. The
1: big kickoff is the pink tie party on March 20th So what? at so the so beautiful now I Ronald went, Reagan building, as right. we mentioned earlier. So now
0: I went, wait, at the Ronald Reagan building, not the convention center. The Ronald, the Ronald, Ronald Reagan, Reagan, Reagan building, building. Okay. yes. So I went... God, I went years ago when it was mm-hmm. still at the Mayflower. Okay. So tell people who either haven't been or don't know what it is, what that event is.
1: The Pink Tie Party is our annual fundraiser. Okay. So that's one of the things that helps drive all of the free community programming that we're able to offer. Mm-hmm. Um, it is a night of music and dancing. We have live music and a DJ. There is a silent auction um, that people can bid on great prizes, you know. Um, and what is
0: the fundraising for?
1: The fundraising is for the festival itself.
0: Mm-hmm. and um, Yeah, because how, who puts it on?
1: The National <laughs> Cherry Blossom Festival mm-hmm. actually works to put on all of the festival events. You know, we have our... Our signature and uh, premiere events are things like the parade, palooza, the opening ceremony. What is
0: Pedalpalooza?
1: palooza is the super fun all day um, music extravaganza, basically. Um, mm-hmm. This year it's actually happening at the Capitol Riverfront neighborhood, Yards mm-hmm. Park. Mm-hmm. So there will be three stages. I like Yards Park
0: should be paying me after this show because we have <laughs> mentioned them like a thousand times. Go it ahead. It is
1: so fun over there, but there will be three stages of live music, lots of different activations. Um, you know a chalk so family friendly family friendly and mm-hmm. then also you know things for just your young professionals wanting to come out a beer garden you know things of that nature so really just an all-day celebration and it ends and with fireworks at, at night oh when is this it is I asked you a trick that question. that's okay it's the it's the final weekend of the festival this year so it's okay. our big finale weekend mm-hmm. and I still can't read this note to myself. It's
0: so dark in here. It is
1: impossible to read (laughs) anything. Okay.
0: So you have this pedal palooza. Um, What other, like what are some other highlights that are sort of new this year for the festival for people who are like, yeah, I've been there, done that.
1: New things this year. I think one of the things we're most excited about is, um, we March were... 28th, the pedal Palooza is March yes. 28th. Pedal Palooza is March 28th. Okay. Um, one of the things we're so excited about this year, we were talking about the great sports teams around DC mm-hmm. and we have three separate, uh, partnerships with sports teams to put on co-branded games. So we have a game with the Washington nationals. What are you doing? Putting them against cherry blossoms? I don't <laughs> understand how <Yes>. it's working. <laughs> well, actually there are cherry blossom trees around, uh, the NADS stadium. Um, that is true. Um, but no, they um, they do all sorts of fun activities there, um, you know, during the game, um, you know, cherry blossom-related events, things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, we have a game with the National Wizards also. Um, same kind of thing, you know, different fun activations. Um, if you sign up and buy your tickets through a specific website that the Wizards have, you get a free t-shirt that night, the first oh. 10,000 um, the first 10,000 fans that night get a Rui bobblehead. Of course, Rui is from Japan. And uh-huh. so the bobblehead has, you know, a cherry blossom, uh, inspired. Design. It really appeals to somebody. You have lost me. <laughs> I've watched you a bobblehead. You've <laughs> lost, you lost me a bobblehead. I was like, t-shirt. <laughs> the t shirts super cute. <laughs> um, if you're a DC United fan, uh-huh. uh, we have a soccer game, uh, with them as well at Audi field. Mm-hmm. Um, again, with, you know, more fun cherry blossom giveaways. And, um, you know, so, how can operations. people
0: navigate all this i mean it 's a lot in two weeks it 's a lot and i 'm not going to ask you when the peak is because that 's a stupid question <laughs> but like how how do people navigate all this? How do you recommend? Uh, locals and tourists alike navigate the National Cherry Blossom Festival?
1: It is a lot. It's actually three weeks of programming oh, this three year. Weeks. Mm-hmm. From We're March gone. 20th through April 12th. You're a glutton. Um, <laughs> we are. <Yeah. laughs> um, I think the best way to navigate it is, um, is a couple of websites, either washington.org, as we spoke about, because mm-hmm. Destination DC helps, you know, us promote all of these activities, mm-hmm. and our own website at nationalcherryblossomfestival.org. Mm-hmm.
0: And, and does, everything- the fest- does that website really sort of lay out like a calendar like every
1: day of what's happening yes um our website uh lays out you can search by event if you want to search family friendly if you want to search art if you want to search food and drink you can search that way or you can also just look at all events and it'll lay it out for you in a calendar format and you can see what's happening literally multiple events every day for three weeks
0: well and I also know that every year um like The hotels in the area all get super involved, and so do the restaurants. Is there anything new or exciting happening this year sort of in the hospitality side of it?
1: We definitely have some great um, hotel partners, um, and I honestly don't have all those details, mm-hmm. you know, off the top of my head. But all that information's on the website. Um, the um, Restaurant Organization of Metro Washington, as you mentioned, we work together on the Cherry Picks program, mm-hmm. um, and we invite restaurants to partner with us and do a spring-inspired uh, dish. It doesn't have to feature cherries. And I gave her the riot act earlier about <laughs> cherries and dishes in the middle of April
0: and March. When there are no <laughs> And, and the season. I, it's I, okay. I absolutely agree with
1: you. But um, we have almost 120 restaurants, breweries, distilleries. We mm-hmm. were talking about Ivy City earlier. One Eight is doing a fabulous cocktail. Cool. Um, so we have restaurants from all across the city participating this year, mm-hmm. and um, we have over 16 local restaurants. Um, doing dishes at pink tie party as well including some you know some newcomers as well as like our old favorites so we're very excited about that
0: how many people can go to the pink tie
1: oh you know that reagan building is is expansive and beautiful um we usually see around 800 attendees wow Mm -hmm.
0: that's a lot okay great all right so give the website one more time NationalCherryBlossomFestival.org. dot org. Excellent, thank you so much. That's Thanks such for great information. Me. And we have to wrap it up. But Elliot, I want to go back to you for just a sec. So, quickly, like, how do you work with the we do, cherry we do. Bl- I mean, obviously you do. But how? How do you guys work together?
2: All festivals and events uh, are. We are focusing on ways to attract the national and the international visitor to come to Washington during these timeframes. Mm-hmm. So. Uh, we have an 800 number that we, man, that give if, if people still oh my God. To if call, I call the
0: 800 number, are you going to pick up the uh, phone, Elliot? You will Elliot?
2: Not hear my voice, okay. my dear, But you will hear <laughs> now a I'm person that will. You, I can give you my number. You, you don't hear my <laughs> voice. But, um, and so, therefore, those that are still calling in and wanting information, we give tons of information on what's happening. Mm-hmm. It's 24 hours. We have someone on that phone call. I will say that the Cherry Blossom, the Tidal Basin is a great place the National Arboretum mm-hmm. is uh, one of the best kept secrets and it's a secret. one of my favorite places to see cherry blossoms in the mm-hmm. city. Um, and and the um, and then you
0: can go to Ivy City afterwards and, and do a distillery to tour. City.
2: And I did want to say um, um, it's down Constitution Avenue. Um, oh, yeah, not yeah, Connecticut. Not, yeah, so oh, Const- so sorry that's about okay. that. Yeah, okay. yeah, that's, that's okay. Thank right. you, Elliot. So, yeah, so, but... All that information is either on the the Cherry Blossom Festival website or Washington.org. Excellent. Uh, And we work closely with all these festivals in terms of promoting and advertising all these things and making sure that we send out information globally as to how folks can find out what's happening in the city. Um, For those who want the number, it's 877-442-5666. Thank
0: you. Thank you very much. And just quickly, um, before we wrap up, I'm going to put you on the spot for a second. What, aside from the Cherry Blossom Festival, is coming up either this spring or summer that maybe the local or tourist does not know about, and you're like, yeah, I can't wait for that?
2: I will say that um, every single month, you know, we have Passport DC in the month of May, Mm -hmm. and that is something that you could only do in Washington, D.C., you know, from a global perspective, whereas embassies open their doors free of charge. If you're in an embassy or in that country, so free food, free activation, it's a really cool thing to do that uh, resonates with visitors. And, you know, we, we want locals to go as well, uh, but we, we, we cherish that as a great event. And in so month... wait,
0: so then when is the uh, Embassy Chef Challenge?
2: Embassy che- Chef Challenge is later, it's same organization, right? but it's later, later on. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, so, and it's a pretty cool event, too. It's that a little is a more cool exclusive, but, but, but whereas Passport DC is open to everyone and amazing. And then, of course, the month of June, Jazz Festival in DC. Right. Then, of course, all things tennis at, on 16th That Jazz Street. Festival
0: has exploded.
2: I'm very proud. I'm, I, I'm on the board of the Jazz Festival. Mm-hmm. Sunny Sumter and the team there She's amazing. an amazing job. Mm-hmm. And um, the way they continue to challenge and, and find new unique spaces based on how the city evolves uh, is, An amazing uh, is talent. I want to add international talent. Yes, international talent comes in for the Chari- for the jazz festival, which mm-hmm. we 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 love. Of course, the month of June is, you know, you're starting the sports season again with, you know, with, with tennis. And then right behind that, we've got baseball starting up. So there are a lot of events and activities. There are um, tons of sporting events that are happening in the city, tons of other festivals. We love the H Street Festival, which takes, takes place every year, which is super crowded. Mm-hmm. But, uh, again, another unique way to get into the neighborhoods in Washington.
0: Excellent. Well, I want to thank you both so much for joining me today. Can you give your website, Elliot, one more time?
2: Washington Washington.org.
0: Okay, and Meg, one more time.
1: NationalCherryBlossomFestival.org. Great,
0: well, I want to thank you both for joining me in studio today. There is so much happening in D.C. The museums are fabulous, and so are the monuments, but there is so much else to do here, and you're really doing yourself a disservice if you live here by not getting in and on every morsel and if you're a tourist here clearly there's a lot for you to dig into as well so please check out both these websites of course plug 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 you can go to my website the list are we do list every food and wine event happening in the dc metro area so everything you heard here today will be on that website along with all the openings of every restaurant in the city and promotions that they're doing as well um don't miss Foodie and the Beast. There's always something fun and delicious going on there. Uh, that's on 1500, and you can check that out on the website. And, of course, tune in here every Monday live at 5 on Industry Night on fullserviceradio.org. I want to thank you all in studio for joining me today. And everybody else, please have a delicious week. Thanks, Nikki. Thank you. Thank you.